0: so good to to achieve nothing, I wouldn't be here this morning. And it's all on God's goodness, His grace and His mercy. Uh, all right, so here's the tough part. Y'all love me? <laughs> you know what comes right after a preacher asset, don't you? I'll say I love y'all, and this has been a tough devotion to get together, you know, I don't like the tough ones, but God's word's God's word and God's message is God's message. And sometimes I have to give it. And I've had to deal with this all week, so I, I promise that y'all ain't going to be no more beat up than I've been beat up after this week of dealing with it. But kind of the gist of it, I want to talk to us about doing what's right, even if it means standing alone. You know, that faithfulness and all that stuff that God, you know, has by His grace saved us. We're unworthy of that, yet He saves us he keeps us all the times that we mess it up no matter where you're at on the spectrum if you're blazing the bible wide open or you're falling away no matter where you're at on that spectrum god loves you and he's got open arms and he's welcoming you back and he wants you to come back at all times so let's keep that up front and foremost but he expects stuff of us right he expects us to be different and hold a different standard from this world that it has to offer and popularity can be a thing whether you're teenagers or whether you're adults and all these different things, and everybody wants to be liked and loved and all these different things. But what about if it's standing for what God has? Are you willing to stand alone, even if nobody else around, and that puts you out on an island somewhere, would you still stand for God? You know, it kind of comes easy to me because I was always a loner anyway, kind of coming up. So, uh, But like I said, we all like uh, to be to have friends and all these different things, but it comes at a cost. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is where we're going to start at verse 14. It says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Think about that. You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We're going to pause right there for a second. Too many Christians, and I use that term loosely, don't see a problem with participating in what the world does and behaving how the world does. Amen. Amen. They have the jelly roll mentality. I've been hearing that a lot. You know, he says Christians ain't doing this and that. You know, Jesus hung with the sinners and Christians. So, Satan is the master of partial truths. Amen. That's how he got Eve in the beginning. Partial truth. But what is a partial truth? It's nothing more than deception that leads to destruction. Just enough to make it sound good, but the path is not, the end of the path is not good. While it is true that Jesus did hang with the sinners, but what was happening in his time with them? Think about that. Was he participating in the wild parties and all the things that they had going on? Should that be what we're doing today? You know, if we're hanging with sinners, if we're participating belly up at the bar, 12 beers deep by 6 o'clock in the morning, and I've been there many times, is that what Jesus would have us do? Is that what he'd have been doing with the sinners? No. No. He was giving them the truth about the one and true living God, and opening their eyes to the sin that they were living in. Giving the keys to, of an escape, you know, he was giving them keys to escape. Then telling them to stop what they're doing and turn to a life of righteousness with God. Every instance in the Bible that Jesus was doing something, what did he say? He would call them out on stuff, lay out the path and then leave them with that, right? Since we are now his ambassadors here on earth, when we spend time with sinners and we we should. So don't get anything what I'm saying wrong that this wrong with you know hanging with sinners cuz how else are we going to reach the lost? We can't build a island over here somewhere and all of us go there cuz that wouldn't be what God had us to do either, would it? Cuz if we did that all the Christians just left tomorrow and went and started a little community over here and never went to the lost where would the how would the lost be without a preacher or someone to go here? give them the word so that's not the right thing to do either so we can be friends with sinners and all these different things and we go in and we do these things but at the same time we're not to partake in it and we're to show them the truth and the word but when we are with them we're not partaking in their lifestyle or we're trying to are we are we trying to show them a better way the problem is most christians aren't really christians to begin with I hope this ain't anybody in this room. This this is a general thing. I'm not saying necessarily us. This is this is where, you know, this type of message is more of a self reflection, uh provoking to love, provoking to good works, provoking to the these different things. So don't think it's as a brow beating, I'm don't want to make anybody mad or whatever. But the word is the word, right? That may sound harsh, but it's true. Most Christians ain't any different now than when they were before they confessed to know Christ. Only difference is now they may come fill a seat on a Sunday morning for an hour or two and sometimes an hour on Wednesday. Can you say you have a relationship with God if that's the only time you spend with him? Think about your earthly relationships. How much of a relationship is that with anybody if you talk to them one hour a week? During the week, you don't talk to him. Don't ever read his words so he can speak to you. Don't even think about him at all in any way of your daily routines. You know, like I said, I've been beating myself over this, too. You know, I, stuff like this will make you reflect on yourself and you see how much you are slacking. So, you know, when I say think about him in your daily routines, you know, all the things that we do, and he gives us a way of an escape from every temptation... That's the Holy Spirit inside. That's what I'm saying. Do you think about God in anything that you do and choose to say and how you behave or anything? Or is God on the back burner and he never even comes into equation? You just belly, belly in feet first. Does that sound like a salvation? The Bible says something completely different, right? The Bible says that when someone has truly had an encounter with God, that a rebirth takes place. All things of old are passed away and newness of spirit is given. And their wants and their desires are now changed to seek after the righteousness of God. That's how you know someone is saved. That's how you know you were saved. Like I said, if it burnt out in two weeks and you just brought back at the bar every weekend, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I don't think a salvation took place there. That you can judge someone by the fruit of their actions and the life that they live is what the Bible says. That's how you tell You know your life and anybody else's. You just tell by the life that they live. If Jesus returned right now, the sad part is that most church seats would still be full. I mean, that's a sad truth, ain't it? I pray it ain't nobody in this room. But I'm talking about think about some of the big mega churches today that's got thousands of people that may fit a lot of this criteria. If Jesus was to return, how many seats would be empty and how many would still be full? So that comes to this question: Where do you stand this morning? If you do everything the world does with no conviction, that's the main thing. With no conviction. If you can just do whatever with no conviction, no guilt, no anything, then that's a red flag. Amen. Because the Holy if the Holy Spirit's living inside of you, I promise every bad thing that you do is gonna be in the back of your mind. It's gonna be convicting you of it. He's gonna convict of the actions, and I strongly encourage you to have come have a conversation with your Creator today if if you're not on that. If you know without a shadow of a doubt you're saved this morning, then I strongly encourage you to do the same thing and come have a a, a talk with your Creator as well, drawing closer and pushing on in a, uh, what in the world is that rope? Oh, (laughs) drawing closer and pushing closer in these last days, because we all believe that this is the last days, right? There's very limited time, so. I just want you to take this word and reflect on it, and like I said at the beginning, no matter where you're at on this path, you know, we all stumble, we all fall, we all lose sight, we all lose direction. It's it's perfectly fine. Just keep in mind that I'm not saying you're not saved, and I'm not saying you're saved. Only you know that. Only you and God know that. I just want you to reflect on yourself and think about these different things and how we are in our uh worldly reactions and when we go to work when we go to school are we truly being a light that christ has called us to be or are we just another uh picture of the world just with a fancy name that we like to try to call ourselves to make ourselves better or whatever so when you look at all these statistics you know and uh the reason why i say most seats would still be full when you look at these statistics of all these christians it's who claim that they're Christians and all these different things? They fit the criteria that I said at the beginning: that they only come to church, they only they never pray, they don't read the word, they don't do all of these things. That is the biggest consensus. I pray that everybody in this room is don't fit that criteria. That we're different, and maybe we can show the others the difference. But that is this, that, in a nutshell. You can look at our country and see that that's the the thing. You look at our leadership and all these different things. If we was a godly nation that everybody was blazing, living this, we would not be in the shape that we are with the joke of a leadership that we have from local levels up. So think about that. Uh, Pray for me. I'm going to be praying for y'all. And let's bring this thing together and head on. Amen. Amen.
1: amen good word this morning as usual and i hope it challenges you i hope it challenges you today to uh to make that commitment to god as you need to and um as we're going from here that we'll just heed the rest of the the rest of the word being spoken today um so i want to thank hallie for singing that song this morning really good really good i'm thankful for uh the gift that God's given her in her life, that she uh, uses that. And so, um, but good news is, you know, we question, God, don't give up on me. He's up there saying, I hadn't, I hadn't given up on you. So, it's good, amen. amen. The presence of God is awesome, isn't it? I mean, it's great, it's wonderful, wonderful. Again, good to see everybody this morning. Glad that you're here. Um, there's really... No other announcements besides me and me and Gabby want to say how thankful we are again for each and every one of you and for the generosity and the, the words. And we had a great time on our trip last weekend. It was good. And so a lot, lot of relaxing went on, that's for sure. Not a lot of running around. But thank you all. Thank you all again for, for everything that you all do. Thank you all for, for coming Monday and, and being with the Troy Taylor and and. Ruth and their family during their time. So thank you all for coming and and blessing them. I know that they're really blessed by everybody coming and working and, and, and helping out like they did. So thank you all for just being a wonderful group of people. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's receive our offering this morning. Amen. Yeah. As we pray this morning, I uh, got a message from Mark Widener that Lynn's dad, um, his name is Ronald Burgess, fell and broke his hip in the nursing home where he's at in uh, Fayetteville, Tennessee. And so they're doing surgery this morning, so he asked for prayer for them and, and for him during the surgery. And then June, come up, God, pardon me, I'm not going to cry, it's just... June is special, and she's a special little girl to be as mature as she is at her age. But she wanted to pray for her dad. At first, he would find God in his life, and he would get off drugs. She said he's not doing good. And it blesses me, and it breaks my heart that you got to go through that, but it blesses me that you know enough to say, I want my dad to be better. So, his name is Justin. So we remember Justin, and uh, and so we'll pray for him this morning. All right. So uh, anyway, sorry, I'm not going to cry anymore this morning. I promise, I'm not. It's fault. No, it's God's fault. I'm sorry. It's the Holy Spirit. But so so we pray also. Let's pray for for our our men and women in service that have been deployed to these different places for the. Uh, conflict going on in Israel, I don't know, Peyton somewhere, so just remember him in your prayers. Um, he's somewhere besides Germany right now where he's normally stationed, so remember him. All right, anything else just now before we pray? All right, well, let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we love him, we praise you and we thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, we asked earlier today, this morning, as we prayed and, and throughout the week that you would show up and work and move in people's lives. And I believe that you are right now. And I believe that you will as we're going through this service today. People's hearts and lives will be changed. Just as we pray each and every day, each and every week, for for that result to happen. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're working and moving in this time. We lift up these knees to you right now. We pray for Lynn Widener's dad. Ronald Burgess as he's having that surgery this morning. That you touch and you be in that whole situation to be with the doctors and nurses as they're in there performing the surgery. And, Father, you be with him um, that he'll have a speedy recovery after this, God, and we thank you for that. Thank you for working in that hole and healing him right now in the name of Jesus, God. We pray for Justin, for for June's dad, and we just we we thank you, Father, that wh- wherever he's at right now, the Holy Spirit that you would quicken in his life and his heart that he needs to change. And He needs to turn His life back to You. He needs to get off those things. And we know the only way that we can get over anything and through any addiction, any struggle in our life, is to look to You and turn our life completely to You. And we thank You that He does that. And we're going to see that. We thank You for June and her heart. God, that You continue to work and move in her life as young as she is and and use her each and every day to be a a vessel for You to, to spread Your Word and Your Gospel to each and every one around her. God, we thank you for it. God, as we're going this time together, God, we just ask again that you just work and move and touch. And as we receive these tithes and offerings this morning, Father, that it's a a sweet-smelling savor to you right now because we're obedient to your Word and we're doing what your Word says. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to children's church this morning? May you? Yes, sir.
2: Where you spend That's
1: right. Right. Amen, brother. I want no doubt.
2: And I want to live that life that Brother JK was talking about, you know. I want to live the life that there's no doubt that Wayne made it to boy.
1: That's right. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you, brother. We love you and thank you for all you do and all y'all do for us here. Thank you. Amen. Well, all right. Mark. Book of Mark. Book of Mark. As we go on through this this morning, I do want to say uh, thanks to Pat and for ministering last week, we listened to it on the way back, and you know it preached. He ministered to Gabby a lot for stuff that she does. I'm not saying that I do have any of those issues, <laughs> and so but no, he done a really good job. He did, and I appreciate that. And again, I thank for all the men here and and the women that serve and do and 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 are not and are, and are willing to go above and beyond anything. And so um, it <coughs> it makes well, we don't want to leave and go do other stuff, but we know that when we do have to go or do something like that, that it's going to be taken care of. It's going to be in good hands. And so, so we, um, But, you know, we finished up the last time I was here a couple of weeks ago with the story um, in, in Mark chapter 5 of the woman the issue of blood, and we talked through that. But most of you know, and you know that Jesus was not on his way to heal that woman at the time. He was on his way to Jairus' daughter, to Jairus' house, right? And and we're not going to read that whole thing. I just want to cover it as we go through this. And because, you know, when Jairus come to him, we know the whole situation now and that He shouldn't have been talking to Jesus. He was a religious leader, and, and, and they didn't see eye to eye on things. He didn't believe that he was a the Messiah. They didn't, the religious people. But in Mark chapter 5 and verse 36, after Jesus has healed the woman, with issue of blood. And it said immediately after that, they come to Him and said, hey, don't don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. But Jesus, He didn't stop with that. He didn't say, all right, well, I'm going to go on my way. You go bury your daughter. He said in verse 36, He said, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, the words of doubt, the words of unbelief, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, "Do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid." Well, it's a natural thing. We, two families in our church this past week have dealt with death, and and so it's it's a natural human reaction to be afraid at that point or, or to feel grief and sorrow. And and he said, but Jesus knew that that wasn't going to be the end of it. He said, only believe it. And so. Is it, is it wrong to, to feel that way? No, it, it, it sucks when we go through things like that, right? It's awful. We don't want to do it because it hurts our, our physical bodies, emotionally, physically, mentally. It hurts, and because we know that at, at that point we'll never see that person or talk to them again while they're on this earth. But just like we know the ones that left, that we're gonna, if we know that that they were. Their life was right with God. We're going to see them again in heaven, and we're going to get to talk to them again. So that's a comfort to us. We went to that concert Friday night over in Atlanta, and you know whether you listen to Toby Mac or not. I don't. I, don't know. I grew up listening to him, so. But and most of you probably know he lost his son about four years ago to a drug overdose. And and so he he talked about that. And you could tell, still, four years later, he was getting choked up on stage when he does this every night, having to mention it. Not having to, but through this, he found where he was at with God. And, and so, you know, he said he said there in that, that God never promised to fix the problem, did he? Anywhere in this word, he never promised that he would fix it the way we think it should be fixed but He said He promised to be there for us and to never leave us or forsake us is what He promised. And so He said, I, 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 you know, I, I gain um, hope through that and strength through that. He said, sure, there's still questions as there always is. There's still things that I wonder about. But you know, He, he gathers those things. And, that, and so, not that I've dealt with anything or dealing with anything like that, but it's, a, it, it's an encouragement to see somebody. You think, well, they're just up there doing a song they're just performing no we still have real life and one of the songs that mercy me was there that they sang that gabby she listened, we listened to it i don't know when peyton went to the military what six years ago something like that this when this song was popular and it's called even if i don't know if you know that song but the song is named even if and and one of the courses Sorry, let me get to my... I had it pulled up a second ago. But Some of the words, it says, I know you're able and I know you can. We know God's able and we know God can. And it says, Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, there's where we got to... There's where a lot of us are at. What if He don't? What if He doesn't do as we think He should do and fix the problem? What if He doesn't? And you say, well, God's not going to do something. No, He's not going to do it the way we think He should do it. He's going to do it the way He has planned to do it. And He's going to do it. That's where our minds got to get. And He says, but it goes on to say, my hope is in you alone. Our hope has got to be in Him even if you don't. He said, I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you just spoke the Word. That's all it would take for Him to speak and Him to do. And it would all be perfect. But where would our faith be if He just, every time that he done that, would it be stronger? Or would be more, or would we be more of the attitude like we are in America today, well, I expect you to do this for me, is where we would be. He said, well, I'll go away if you just say the Word, but even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. So where are we going to be when hard times come up? Are we going to be to where we still can say, God, even if you don't do this right now, my hope is in you. My faith is in you through this. And I'm going to get on with this. And I'm going to go through this. No matter what the outcome is, my hope is in you alone. That's where we got to be. And that's what we wanted Jairus to be. That, look, it doesn't matter what everybody else is saying around you. You have got to look to me, your author and your finisher, your salvation. You've got to believe and trust in me fully with everything that's about you, everything that's in you to know that I'm going to take care of this situation and stop trying to reason it in your own mind and your own heart to what you want to see and to the outcome that you want selfishly for it to happen. And, is, and we can't get past that a lot of times in our life because, you know, we want it now and we want it how we want it because we don't want to suffer. We do not want to have pain. We do not want to have problems. We do not want to have, you know, the, the death to deal with or anything like that. We don't want those things. But we've got to come to the point in our life to where that relationship, as J.J. talked about, and we're not going to get there once a week. What I'm doing can help you get there for tomorrow and for you to get build your relationship tomorrow and Tuesday on until the next time we meet and we come and join again and then your relationship is better with God and your faith is built up and your hope and your trust is built up in Him to know that He's going to take care of it. So, let's go on right here. I love how when we know that Jesus went to the house and what it was the first thing He done? All the mourners were there and they were laughing at Him and He said, no, y'all got to go. Again, again, Jesus said the doubt's got to go, and he pushed all that out. So people around you in your own life that all they're doing is speaking negative uh, things, doubt and unbelief, all they're gruffing and complaining all the time, there might be a time where you have to say, shut up and go on, I don't want to hear it. If you can't speak God around me and can't speak God through the situation that I'm going through, that I'm believing that he's going to change for, for his glory and his purpose, then shut up and go on. If Tanner was here, he told me I said a bad word. He did last night. I said, shut up. He said, you said a bad word. I looked at him. He said, well, you did. I said, okay. You're right. I did. And so, so but Jesus, we, we know what happened. Jesus raised a little girl from the dead. But through that, they saw that Jesus was who he truly was. So, Jesus goes on from there. What did he do? He goes back home, doesn't he? Chapter 6. We've got a few verses here we're going to read and talk about. Chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus, he went out to his own country, his own town of Nazareth, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and bring many hearing. Hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this in which he's given it to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judah, and Simon? Are these not his sisters here with us? They're offended at him. Again, just as we saw the whole time, these first five chapters, they would not believe who Jesus was. As they are today, the same ones for us today, the same ones going on in Israel today, they still won't believe Jesus is who he is. And they believe in God. They just don't believe in Jesus, right? And sure, we, we pray for, for Israel. We pray for, for what's going on over there. That that God would move and God would work. And with signs with all these different things. But, you know, they still won't see Jesus for who He is. They still won't see Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. The Savior of this world. They, they might believe in God, but they haven't asked Jesus into their hearts yet. And so it's, it's tough. It's tough because there's still this unbelief that is on there that Jesus talks about. But reading this, they wouldn't even believe Jesus was who he said he was. You can look at your own life and look at mine. You go to places if whether you lived here or wherever you're from, and it's easier a lot of times to go somewhere where they don't know you and speak the word of God because they don't know your past. They don't know anything about you, and they just think, "Oh, he's got it all put together. He's a man of God." But when you come back home, what happens? Reality. Reality. They people start thinking, "Really? That's just Mark Carroll up here. That's just Mark." You say, "Well, you wasn't bad," and it, it's not. It's, listen, here's my take on this as I grew up. Okay, and it's no knock against my parents whatsoever. So here's how the devil didn't work with me that I wasn't. You know, that I was some bad sinner going to hell. That I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and all these things. And you know what what he, what he used to get me with? Well, you're just a pastor's son. You say, well, that ain't bad. Try dealing with that and others seeing you as just a pastor's son. You say, what does that do with anything? It would still get me to a point in my own mind and my own spiritual life that I wasn't good enough. Because I, I guess they expect me to live up to David Carroll. He didn't ever put that on me. That was me. And you know why? Because I let that thought get in, and then Satan said, "I'll use that. I'll use that against you, just like he does each and every one of you, and all of you that that have know that may, have made Jesus life. He's using that against you, whatever thought that he can that you're not good enough." You're just whoever. You can put your own name there. You come from this. Didn't didn't you? You grew up in this situation. Your family was garbage. Why, whatever can can come in your mind? He's going to use that there to keep you from seeing who God wants you to be. You come from a broken home. You're 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 a product of this. You whatever he's going to use that, and when you just take hold of that, and you're like. Maybe, you know, maybe I don't have the right to say anything. Maybe I don't have the right to talk about it. He's like, I got them right there, right there. I can use that against them. And he's going to keep using it against you until you see and know who you are in Christ Jesus. And until you boldly stand up against that, you're going to be with these that get offended by you because, one, they didn't believe that Jesus who he really was. And then they're like, how, how can he have all this wisdom? He's just a carpenter. How can he do this? He's just this person, and then they're going to look at you and say, "How do you even know this? you're just You're just whoever. put your I'm not going to call anybody's name out this morning. I don't want nobody watching to think that I'm calling anybody out. So you can use your own imagination of who you are and put your own name there, as I've done all week but so so he 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 they wouldn't get past who he was. And they couldn't see Him for the power that, that, that was there. Because I want to, I want to just read. There were some things that come in my spirit. And I know we all can relate to these. About the evil one, what He says about you. What He says about all of us. And what He wants us to believe. Even in our saved Christian life, He wants us to still believe these things. So, one, He, he wants you to believe that you are not fully forgiven. He wants you to believe that you can never be fully forgiven for what you've done. He wants you to believe that you're unworthy because of what you've done. Because you're unforgiven, you can't be worthy. You can't be worthy of anything, of blessings from God. You don't deserve it. And us ourselves, we don't deserve it. Without Jesus, we don't deserve any of this. But through Jesus, we deserve all of this. Or we get all of this, even though we don't deserve it. That's grace and mercy. And so he says, he he wants us to believe that we're not able to be loved. And we're not able to love. All because we're unforgiven and we're unworthy. Which makes us just trash. We're unforgivable. We're just trash. We're afraid and fearful. Because of the life that we used to live. Or because of what we've done in this life. And we're afraid nobody's ever going to think we're good enough again. And so he wants you to believe that not only that God, he won't forgive you. But he doesn't love you at all because of what you've done. That that just as Halley's saying, that He's gave up on you. He wants you to believe that. He wants you to believe because God doesn't love you that nobody else does either. That you deserve all the bad things you're doing, you're getting, and what's going on in your life right now because of what you've done. He wants you to believe that what you've done you can never come back from. It was just too much. You tip the scale and you can never come back from what you've done. It's all lies. All of it's lies. He wants you to believe that you'll always be depressed. That you'll never find joy or happiness in your life. And you'll always have anxiety. All those things. He wants you to believe all of that. Why? Because when we see that, we see nothing else. We don't see God. We don't see Him at work in our life. We don't. We don't even. We don't even see the blessings that He's put on us. We we, we don't even. We the blessings, as, as Daddy said earlier, that that we got life today, that we can breathe, that we've got a beautiful day. It's it's November fifth and it's seventy five degrees outside today. You say, well, that's you know, some of us. If you like hunting, you're like, I I wish it was colder. And I don't want to be sitting in the woods sweating. But for most of it, and that's a gripe about a beautiful day, perfect day. There's no humidity. 75 today, and we're going to find something to gripe about, right? I know. It was cold this morning. Everybody's sick because it's just awful. It is. I mean, it's just... So, but it doesn't end there. Because when we're in Christ, there's always but God, right? There's always but God. But God says everything different than what the devil tells you. Everything different. It doesn't matter what he tells you or what everybody else thinks. Because here's the thing. God's not waiting up there to punish us for every little thing we've done wrong. He's not up there saying, I, 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 I got him. I got them. I knew that you was going to mess up. So here is my moment to punish you right now. He's not up there doing that. He, he's, he's waiting. Sure, He knew we are going to mess up. He knows that things in our life are going to come up, but we're not going to look to Him as we should. But He's not ready to punish us every time we do something wrong. There's discipline. We discipline our children. As parents, We're not. I was never at home waiting on my child to mess up so I could just run in there and punish them and discipline them as hard as I could. God's, God's definitely not doing that for us. Sure, there's, he said he disciplines those that he loves. And with discipline comes some harder times that we should have to go through. But guess who got us there? The one looking back in the mirror? We got us there. But he's not up there waiting and just wanting to make things bad for us because we, we sung about the goodness of God this morning. We talked about it. We We sang to God about the goodness of Him and His love for us. Here's what God says. we got some verses to go on to back it up. So you can't say God's not really saying that. They're going to be right up there. First one's in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Because as Satan says we're, we're not forgiven or we're unforgivable, God says just the opposite. 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to do what? Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The devil can't do anything with that. He's going to still try to make you believe that you're not, but you can always go back to the Word of God and say, No, 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 no. Look, look, it says right here in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 that, that I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And why are we forgiven? Because we confessed our sins. And it says in Romans, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Or, I'm sorry, in 1 John 1 and 9, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And because we're not worthy on our own, and we couldn't come to God's throne without Jesus, we're not worthy to do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, this, is, this makes us worthy. It says, therefore, if anyone, anyone, it doesn't name a religion, it doesn't name a, den- or, well, Christianity, it doesn't name a denomination, does it? See, so you can be from non-denominational to Catholic. It doesn't matter. However, and whatever in between you want to put in there. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Not if anyone is in the Baptist church, Methodist, non-denominational church, Pentecostal, Charismatic. It doesn't matter. If anyone's in Christ, Christ. Not, I go to church. That, that's good that you go to church. But are you a child of God? Well, I, I, I go to church. That doesn't matter. That's not what I'm asking. Are you a child of God? Are you in Christ or just in church, as we said this morning, filling a seat? So, are you in Christ or not? In Christ means, hey, He's Lord of my life and I'm asking, forgive me my sins. That's what in Christ means. And it's not, I'm I'm talking to everyone, young people, old people alike, because we all deal with this. We all deal with these things in our lives. See, we've got to be in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Old things. Those things that make us unforgivable and unworthy have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. All things. So there's nothing in there, there's no, there's no lead way that the devil should be able to come through this verse to try to deceive us right here. Everything is written right here in black and white. Old things have passed away, and all things become un, have become new. It says we're not, we're not loved. We can't be lovable anymore. God loves us unconditionally, doesn't he? He loved us before we come and made him Lord of our life. He loved us when we, we really was unlovable. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says "but God," that's that but God" verse. But God, everything the devil throws at, there's always we can go back where but God says this. And when we say but God says this, that trumps anything the devil's trying to do to us or say to us. But God, who is rich in mercy, because His great love of which He loved us. That great love is that love that we cannot fathom in our life. Because all we see is human love, and and that's all we experience in this world that we live in from, from person to person. And that human love lets us down a lot of times. That human love expects things and wants things because we love them. And if we're not doing that, then they don't love us, or we don't love them. And, and we, we put it, we put God's love in that same context, but it's nowhere near that. Has nothing to do with that. His great love, in which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, we were dead in our sins, we were unlovable, we were the scum of the earth as this world would see us. God said, "No, I love them. I love them. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved." And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that there trumps that lie of the devil right there. We're not unlovable. God doesn't love us anymore. No. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 said, no, I'm loved. I'm loved because of the great love of God. The same love that He sent Jesus down to this earth. To be the appropriation for all of our sins. And the wrath of God poured on Jesus as He hung on the cross. So He could be that final sacrifice for us. Then... He loves us, He loves us. We're always afraid or fearful. Everything. I hear Christians even talking about that, you know I just I'm scared to death about this. I'm scared to death about that. Why, why are we so scared to death about everything? We serve a God that, that we can put all our faith and hope and trust in, and we're still saying, well, I'm scared to death of this, I'm scared to death of that. No. Second Timothy 1-7 says, for God, my God, has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So when the devil comes and say, everything, we're just afraid of everything, no, nope. Second Timothy 1-7. God ain't giving me that spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. God loved us enough to send us Jesus, didn't He? Loved us that much, as we just said in John. These are most famous verses in the Bible. If if you ask anybody if they know a verse, I know. I think I know John three sixteen. At least most people know that that the words right there, the book and the chapter and the verse. Even though if you grew up when I did in the nineties and two thousand, it might have come from from wrestling if you watched it. What I'm talking about, but that ain't where it originally come from, is it? It's not. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but what the world through Him might be saved. So He loved us enough to do that. So anything the devil says that we're not good enough and God doesn't love us, we go right back to the most famous verses in the Bible. No, God loves me enough that He sent Jesus for me. What did Jesus use the example of? He said, i can leave the 99 to go find you. We stay in fear of what people think about us. Especially the kids are in school. They want to be popular. They don't want to speak this. They don't want to do that. And that carries on to adult life and the workplace. And we don't want to do or say anything because we don't want others to come against us. We fully understand who we are in Christ. It's not going to matter what others think about us in that aspect. They cannot do anything to us. Because sure, we might go through some pain and suffering here, but we know that it's all for the glory of God, right? And then when we if something happens and through our boldness through Jesus and we leave this earth, where are we are going to be at? In heaven with Him. And so it doesn't matter what man can do to us. And we should not stop living that life to where it matters as much as what man say and what man does and what man can do to us because it doesn't matter. Because in Romans 8.31... It says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, if God be for us, who can be against us? So if God's for us, then who cares who's against us? Who cares what's going on around us? Because God's for us. God's for you. And He wants you to realize that God's for you in, His, in, in your life. He's not trying to do things to deter you away from Him. He's pulling you to Him. If you'll let Him this morning, He's pulling you to Him. He said, Well, you never come back. You can never come back from those things. That's a lie. And Luke, Luke chapter 15. Famous story of the prodigal son, right? Son, daughter, whatever you are. We're not going to read it, the whole thing. But we know that the son come to the father and said, I want everything that's mine and I want to go my own way. I want to do my own thing. I want to live my own life as we've all come to some point in our life where we tried to do that. I want to go do my thing. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how every now and then, you know, I'll, you know, I'll see if you can help me out. I'll do whatever, but I want to do what I want to do. But he come to the, he come to the point where he had nothing. He had nothing. And he says, what am I doing here feeding with the pigs? What am I doing here in this situation? He said, I could go home and eat and do and have, but I'm, I'm here. He said, so I'm going to rise up in Luke chapter 15 and verse 18. The prodigal son said, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That's good. That's, 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 that's repentance right there. That's the first start Acknowledging that you've done wrong And you can't do it on your own And you need Jesus right now because I have sinned I'm no longer worthy to be called your son Make me like one of your hired servants In verse 20 It says and when he arose and came to his father And went still a great way off A great way off His father saw him Had compassion Ran and fell on his neck and kissed him the father come to him. And he, he told his father what he said he was going to tell him. He's like, no, 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 no. Go kill the fatty calf. My son is home. My son is home. Why, why run any longer? So, so if we can say we can never come back, then the prodigal son should have never been able to return, should he? So there's nowhere too far that God's not, hey, I see him. I see him and, there, and he's wanting him and he's like, come, just come on. But the son didn't even get to the father and he knew he was coming broken and wanted forgiveness and wanted to come back into the family and wanted to come back in that relationship with him. What happened? The father ran to him and met him. And met him. No, this is a picture of what he's done for us in our life and we accepted him. And just like this guy, he, he was there and then walked away. So this is also a point that we can come back in that relationship with him. I don't understand why us as humans want to keep walking away in our relationship with Him. We know we're there and we've tasted and seen what God's done for us and had Him bless us in our life and then we get to a point to where we're like this again and we want to just walk away. It boggles my mind. Why? Because it all goes back to selfish behavior and selfish desires. Lust of flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life get in the way. And we want to go back and do what we want to do. Through the healing power of Jesus, chains of addictions and bondage and depression and anxiety can be broken, right? That's the only way, is looking to Him. We've got to realize we're children of the Most High God. And then what He says about us matters the most, not what anybody else says about us. It's what He says about us. And we read exactly what He says about us. And realize in our life, God's not condemning us for our sin. Jesus didn't condemn these people for not believing in him. What did he say to them back in, back in Mark chapter 6? And verse 4. Well, we'll read these last few verses. Mark chapter 6 and verse 4 says, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives in his own house. Is not a prophet. So Jesus knew he wasn't accepted there. Now, he could not do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And, and that should be enough for today that we'd be like, so people got healed at church today? That would be amazing that that would happen at church. Why? Because people don't come down for prayer and they, they think miracles times is done and the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore, but that's false and that's a lie of the devil also. Because the greatest miracle that happens in somebody's life is when they receive Jesus as Lord of their life. I believe that God still heals, and heals physically, spiritually, emotionally. He still does those things. What's keeping him from doing it today? The same thing that kept him doing it 2,000 years ago. Because the next verse says, And he marveled at their unbelief. He marveled at their unbelief. He was marveling at their unbelief then, and they were walking with him and speaking to him. And they didn't have the Word of God to go to. And, and read and understand. And I, I, I can imagine in heaven, He's still marveling at the unbelief of people today that have this right here. 2,000 years worth of documents and stuff that, that we've read over and over and over and over. And there's hundreds and thousands of preachers doing the same thing I am today, preaching the Word of God. And there's still people that won't believe. Why? He's still marveling at unbelief. And he's like, I've done everything that I can for you, and you keep rejecting me. I've done everything that I can. We've got to realize that who we are in Christ, He's not condemning us. He didn't condemn these people for what they believed and what they didn't believe. He said He couldn't do nothing. He did heal some, but He went His way, didn't He? He went on and was able to do more in other places. But He's not condemning us. Satan condemns us. If, if you get if, if you've something in your life that you know is wrong that's conviction from the Holy Spirit that's what that is that's not condemnation from God because he's not up there like I said, waiting for you to mess up he's not doing that. We've got to come to a point in our life to where we stop spending time doubting God's word and start putting it into action. We know we read here a lot, be a doer of the word, not hear only. But our problem is a lot of times, not just here, but in the body of Christ, we hear it but don't really believe it. We hear it but say, well, that's for somebody else, not for me. You know, let them do it. That that, that old adage that goes back that I've heard on job sites before, that's not my job. It's not my job. The body of Christ is not a union, is it? There's, there's not a union of electricians, a union of carpenters, a union of... Of this, that, and the other. Because I know on those job sites, I never worked on them, but here in union guys, they didn't work together. Electricians done their job. Scaffold builders done their job. The carpenters done their job. And if one was doing the other, they're like, that's not your job. The body of Christ is not a union. We all have a part to play in the body of Christ. And like J.J. said this morning, you're either doing it or you're not doing it. You're either serving God or you're not serving God. There's no in-between. I'm kind of serving God. No, you're kind of, then you're all the way just sitting there, is what that is. So, sure, is it easy? No, but God's not give up on us as we sung this morning. As we've heard this morning, He's not give up on us. And we've got to come to the point, like He told you, Iris, do not be afraid, only believe. Sure, the journey of this life If we could, if we could see everything opened up and see exactly what was going to happen to us and what was going to go on in our life and what path that we was going to take because God knew where we was going to dive off, it might be scary. Some of us, it might, it might scare us back right, but we're not going to see that. We're going to know that. So it's why we always got to be looking to the author and the finisher of our salvation, right? And stop looking to the left and the right and go on the broad road and stay on the narrow road that leads to him. So if we, if you start now, then you got a journey to make it to where you're going. I'm just 44. I hope that I've got a long journey till I end my life on this earth. But my prayer is that I stay on the path that I'm supposed to stay on. And that's what we've got to work on each and every day, is that we stay on the path and work on our relationship with Him, on, on the things in our life that we need to work on. And when we get our relationship with Him where we need to be, those other things will fall into place. Amen. Y'all stand this morning. If you're here this morning you're living and trying to do your thing, and trying to, uh, the attitude of I'll take care of it tomorrow, I'll do it later, what I'm doing now is okay, then that kind of attitude is wrong. God expects from us, when we say, hey, come be Lord of my life, that means full submission to Him, everything to Him. So if you're here this morning and you're running, and you know you are, and you felt that conviction of the Holy Spirit going, yeah, I need to change this. I need, I need, I need, to, I need to remove this from my life. Then that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you at whatever age you are this morning that you need a God and a Savior in your life. And you need to come and, and make Jesus Lord of your life. That's what that is. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What better day to start than now? Amen. So, y'all, everybody bow your heads. In time of prayer this morning, the music plays. stop.